Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. As we uh, move into the word today, we're going to end our series called Stronger. This has been the summer of Stronger, and we just felt like we needed to declare that in a time where it felt like everything could weaken us, that we would declare that, no, 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 God is actually strengthening us, that God's trying to strengthen us in this season. And today, I want to talk about stronger unity, stronger unity how we hold together when the world is pulling apart. How we hold together when the world is pulling apart. This is a polarizing time on planet Earth. Uh, we're in a election year. Hello? Talk about polarizing time. We are in the midst of a pandemic and there's lots of opinions about uh, our response to coronavirus, you know, masks, no masks, uh, CDC guidelines, World Health Organization. Uh, is this political? I mean, all kinds of opinions about coronavirus. We've also seen this, um, the, the scars of racism in our nation kind of be exposed again. And that's created a whole spectrum of responses, opinions that are very polarizing uh, in our nation. And, and I was thinking about our, our uh, parents and students and, t- and teachers as they're preparing to go back to school and just thinking about uh, how many opinions there are floating around about education and what type of education and uh, in person or at home. And there's just lots of opportunities for us to get pulled apart. We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 14 together. And what Paul sees in this, this Roman church is opportunities to get pulled apart. And that's what he addresses in this passage. And I think it's just timely for us in this season. So would you turn to God's word with me? We're going to be in Romans chapter 14. I'm going to start in verse 1. And uh, we're going to read kind of the first portion of this chapter together. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, Accept anyone who is weak in faith, but don't argue about disputed matters. One person believes he may eat anything, while one who is weak eats only vegetables. One who eats must not look down on one who does not eat, and one who does not eat must not judge one who does, because God has accepted him. Who are you to judge another's household servant? He's talking about God's servant. Right before his own Lord, he stands or falls, and he will stand because the Lord is able to make him stand. Verse 5, one person judges one day to be more important than another day. Someone else judges every day to be the same. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. Whoever observes the day observes it for the honor of the Lord. Whoever eats, eats for the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. And whoever does not eat, it is for the Lord that he does not eat it. And he gives thanks to God. For none of us lives 
for himself. And no one dies for himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and returned to life for this, that he might be Lord over both the dead and the living. But you, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue will give praise to God. So then each of us will give an account of, of himself to God. This is the word of the Lord. So here we have Paul in this magnum opus, this, this incredible book called Romans that is full of theology and insight. And he sees this stuff that's going to tear apart this Roman church and he begins to speak to it and begins to name it. I think there's, there's some important things that we need, to, we need to understand from this passage. The first one is this, that there is a category of life issues entitled disputable matters. There's a whole category of life issues that, are, that is entitled disputable matters. And what that means is that these were matters that were not explicitly, um, that, that we did not have explicit commands or instructions from the word of God about, okay? Your, your translation might say matters of opinion, right? These are things that are not explicitly detailed in the scripture. And these are areas where each person has to uh, exercise our personal conscience or a personal conviction. And Paul tells us there's a whole category of things that fall under disputable matters. Now that's important if you're the kind of person that sees everything in black and white, like it's either right or it's wrong, right? And you you might be a person that even says like, I can show you in the Bible where everything is either right or wrong. And what I would say to you is this, is we just read from the Bible that there is a, a category of things that are disputable. There are things in life that are gray. And what God wants us to do in those areas is actually to lean in and to seek out what he would have to say to us personally about that issue, a disputable matter. Now, for example, I remember when we've had our first child, William, and we were kind of learning about babies, you know, as a dude, as a bachelor, I didn't think about like how babies were born and all the things that were involved in that kind of stuff. I just figured we'd figure it out later. And so Casey and I, as we're walking that process, it's like people were asking us, hey, now how are you going to have the child? Are you going to have them at home? And I was like, what, like you could have babies at home? Like, is that still allowed anymore? I, I thought you had to have them in a hospital, right? And so I started to learn about there's these things called midwives and doulas. And then of course you have the traditional route of having them in a hospital. And, and so we're having to make decisions and people have opinions about what is the best way to have that baby and where to have that child. 
once you have the child in the hospital, it's like a whole host of other issues start uh, being, um, you know, asked of you, and I remember uh, the, the question of the, 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 the epidural, like, will you have an epidural or not? <laughs> of course, Casey's like, please, like, please give me an epidural, but there's strong opinions about that matter as well. And then there's the question of like, how are you going to feed the child? Are you going to breastfeed? Is it formula only? And it's like, oh my gosh, like there's strong opinions about that. And will you vaccinate them? Will you not vaccinate your child? Again, just, it's like, there's all these opinions and it's so polarizing because everyone talks as if they know exactly how everyone ought to do it. But in reality, it's a disputable matter. It's an area of life that's gray. It's a place that we have to just kind of wade through and make some personal decisions based on our conscience and our conviction. Paul lists here for us disputable matters that these people were dealing with. He talks about diet, right? He said that um, some of them only eat vegetables, Others see all food as being acceptable and that this was a disputable matter, a matter of diet. It could have been also an issue of being kosher, unkosher foods at that time. It, uh, it, the, uh, another issue that Paul brings up are special days that one of you sees certain days as sacred or special, maybe a, a Jewish feast holiday or a Sabbath day, and yet others see every day as being exactly the same. And Paul says, file that under disputable matters. Later in 14, we didn't read this part, but if you were to keep reading in 14, he uh, talks about in verse uh, 21, he mentions drinking wine. Like at the alcohol issue was divisive, right? Some people thinking, you know, Christians should never ever touch alcohol for any reason at all. And then others saying, no, it's it's permissible within the boundaries that God has given us to not get drunk on wine, but which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? So we see that this was a polarizing issue. And Paul says, you're gonna have to file these under a category called disputable matters. Now, I just want to say this because it's important as we talk about this, that just because someone disputes a matter doesn't mean it's a disputable matter. Here's what I mean. There is cultural pressure on Christians to begin to cave in on moral issues, issues of theology, the nature of God, the nature of humanity, how God has intended us to live our lives. But those things are disputed in culture, but they're not disputable in the scriptures, meaning that the scriptures are incredibly clear. It's very simply laid out for us about these issues that uh, involve our morality or the nature of God, that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation on planet earth, that there is no other way to be saved except through him. He's not just a way, 
We could talk about the hot button topics of sexual morality and we could look at scripture and we could have a very clear understanding of how God wants us to use our bodies, how he wants us to live our lives. And these are not disputable matters, even though they're disputed in our culture. See, when we talk about a disputable matter, it's simply one that we do not have a clear black and white imperative from Scripture. But there are matters that are disputable. I was thinking of... uh, the human body, how God creates this human body and he gives us the skeletal system and it's what helps us to stand up tall and it's what gives strength, right? There's bones in our body that give strength and form and structure to our body. Yet our, our skeletal system is not all bone. God in his wisdom creates an, another substance called cartilage and it's, it's softer, it's flexible so that we can have motion, right? That, that not everything is rigid, but it can be flexible. It can move, right? And so God, even in our skeletal system, gives us both things that are dense and strong. They're bone. But he also gives us things that are flexible, like cartilage. It's why when you lay on your ear at night, it doesn't break off, right? Because it's made to flex, And in the body of Christ, in in his word, God's given us things that are bone. They're dense. They're hard. They're they're non-negotiable. They're essential. And yet there are parts of our lives that God has given us that require flexibility. They require us to be able to make personal decisions about our convictions and our consciences. God has built strength into his body by giving us both density and flexibility. He's made us flexible. The second thing that I think is so important for us to understand is that grace leaves space for personal conviction. Grace leaves space for personal conviction because Paul doesn't say in the passage, hey, these things are going to tear you apart. Forget all your opinions. Let them all go. You shouldn't have any convictions or opinions about anything in life. Just stick to the basics of the Bible and you guys will be just fine. That's not the approach that Paul takes. In fact, if you look at verse 5, He says, one person judges one day to be more important than another day. Someone else judges every day to be the same. And then he has this curious sentence. Let each one be fully convinced in his own mind. He doesn't say back off of your opinions or your convictions. He says, no, you need to be fully convinced in your own mind. And it's okay that you differ from your brother on that particular issue of what day is more important than another day. That's okay. You should be fully convinced of that. See, he doesn't try to make us into unthinking automatons, but he respects, this is the beauty of the gospel, that there's room, that grace gives space for our personal convictions. We also see in verse 12, as Paul's writing about this, that he says that, 
each of us will give an account of himself to God. That you and I are going to stand before the Lord someday, and he's going to ask us not not only about how did we, um, how do we live out the imperatives, the black and white imperatives, but how did we honor the specific personal convictions that he's placed in our lives? Our convictions are important. Paul doesn't say get rid of them. He actually says you need to be fully convinced and that there's space within this grace, this gospel of Jesus for our personal convictions. He uh, does say, however, don't argue. Don't look down on others who see it differently than you. Don't judge your brother or sister. Who are you to judge God's servant? That's God's servant, not yours. And he says, don't despise those or don't despise your brothers or sisters who see things differently than you do. I was uh, thinking this week about skyscrapers. I did some studying on skyscrapers uh, skyscrapers because I've been fascinated by how tall these things are. And um, because, you know, wind, when it blows, is actually stronger up high than it is down low. And so the tops of these buildings that are, you know, a thousand feet up in the air are actually getting this massive wind pressure. And so I was learning about how these buildings are built to flex, that the strength of the building is actually tied to, does it have the ability to flex a bit whenever the high winds come? Right? That these, these uh, buildings that are made of steel and concrete actually have space to flex within them. And it's actually dangerous if they're too rigid. You see, on a, on a regular day, a breezy day in Manhattan, a thousand-foot tall building might sway a couple inches. On, on a heavy wind day, it could, it could sway six inches or up to a foot of sway as that building is moving in the wind. And it would be dangerous. It would be dangerous for that building to be too rigid because if it can't flex it will it could possibly break causing all kinds of damage structural problems within the building so it's important that it's not too rigid but it actually has some flex it's unsustainable for that building to be totally rigid And the same is true for us in the body of Christ. Grace has to leave space for people to sort out these matters that are disputable. And if we're too rigid, it's actually dangerous. It's unsustainable for us. There's a phrase that we often use, or maybe you have used before, that you pick the hill you're, you're going to die on, or, or you pick the hill that, that's worth dying on. Or maybe you might say, I'm not going to die on that hill. What, what, what we're talking about, about are issues that we don't want to fight to the death on, 
or issues that we say, hey, I would fight to the death on that one. Like that one is so important to me. Like I would die on that hill. And I was thinking about that phrase and how, you know, we, we have those things that we just want to go after, things that are important to us, things that we, we get fired up about. And I was thinking about Paul's words here, how he, how he says, don't argue, don't judge, don't look down on, don't despise your brother or sister. Later in verse 14, he says, don't make them stumble. Right? The, don't, don't eat things around them or drink things around them that are going to be a stumbling block for them. He tells them to pursue the better way, which is the way of love. And see, built into the body of Christ is this counterbalance, like in the flex of these issues that we're having to sort through in life, there's a counterbalance that we're given of sacrificial love. And it means that we don't have to go fight to the death on every hill. In fact, what it might mean is that there are certain hills that we might have to die to ourself on. We would, we would die to self on certain hills because I don't want to cause my brother or my sister to stumble. So I'm not going, I'm not going to violate their conscience by what I do around them or by exercising my personal conviction. We have to leave space. Grace leaves space for personal conviction. The third thing that I think is so important is that the gospel is the glue that keeps us from pulling apart. It's the glue that keeps us from pulling apart. Here we have Paul in this magnum opus, this beautiful book called Romans, and what he's spilled a lot of ink saying up to this point in this book is that there is a justification that comes by faith. Now, what that means is to be justified would be like, for example, if you were in a court of law and you are standing before the judge and you are given a not guilty sentence, what that means is that you were justified before him. What Paul says is, look, in this chapter, I mean, in, in this book of Romans, he says, look, we've all fallen short. We've all blown it. We've all sinned. We all, God looks at us in our sinful condition. He says guilty, right? Condemned. But did he made a way for us in Jesus? It's this gospel, this good news that God in his mercy stepped into our sinful condition and he, he offered for us a perfect sinless savior and he poured out his wrath upon him so that his wrath could be turned away from us and that when we turned him, he could look at us and say, not guilty, not guilty. I, I've put the perfection of my son over your life. I've canceled the written code that stood against you. I, I have washed you clean. You're justified, not by your own works, not by your own perfection, not by having a good heart, that you and I are justified by, by actually putting all of our hope and trust 
in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. It's the gospel. It's the good news. And it's so good for us when it comes to the matters like this that could tear us apart. Because if, if Jesus has justified me, then I don't have to justify myself. If Jesus has justified me, that means I don't have to justify myself. And it means I don't have to be right about everything. And it means that I don't have to argue you into agreement with me on every single aspect of life. It means that my security isn't in being right about something or in uh, you agreeing with me about uh, XYZ issue, but that my security is in a sinless savior, savior who justifies me. It's my security. It means that I can give you space. Like in verse four, when Paul says, before his own Lord, he stands or falls and he will stand because the Lord is able to make him stand. That I can stand because the Lord enables me. He's justified me. I have peace with him and I can now honor my conscience without dishonoring you. It's the glue. This good news of God doing this on our behalf is, is what holds us together. It keeps us from pulling apart. So what do we do? Well, I think we do what Paul says. Don't argue. Don't look down upon people who see that issue differently than you. Don't judge them. Don't despise them. It's that family that maybe makes different educational choices than you. Or that person who sees diet differently than you. Or those parents that discipline differently than you do. Or those families that have different rules about electronics than you do. Or the believer who has a different conviction about alcohol or whatever issue you want to fill in the blank that's not clearly expressly stated in scripture. It's the person who votes differently than you do. Paul says, don't let this rip you apart. You and I can hold together through this work of Jesus when the whole world's pulling apart that there's flex built into the body, that we have soft places where we can have movement, where we can see just things a little bit differently, and yet we can still be one together in the body of Christ. I was thinking this week, it's kind of a silly analogy, but I was thinking about noodles. We, uh, in my family, we eat noodles because we love spaghetti. Like almost once a week, maybe more, we're making spaghetti because it's great and it's easy and our kids love it. And I was thinking about noodles and how uh, you have, like this is how the noodles come out of the box. These are uncooked spaghetti noodles here. And these things are rigid, 
right? These are rigid and they break apart easily. You can see like they just break apart and they, they, they don't stick together at all. In fact, they tend to separate out. Like if you were to spill a box of, of, of uncooked noodles on the ground, like it's going to spread out everywhere. Like they're just going to separate easily. And yet here we have uh, the very same thing, noodles, made out of the very same stuff from the same box, and yet they're very different. These are rigid. They're elastic. They, they don't break that easily, right? You got to pull on them a little bit harder to get them to break, and they, they, they want to stick together. Like, you have a hard time getting these things to separate. And as I was thinking about these noodles, there's, there's only one difference between this and this. It's that this has been immersed in water. That it's been cooked in water. And that that experience has changed it from something rigid and that separates easily and breaks apart to something that's flexible and elastic and that sticks together. What's, what's the point of the noodles, Chris? Well, here's the point of the noodles. First is that you're a noodle. Okay, I just, I just got to say that. And uh, you can, in fact, why don't you turn to somebody who's watching this with you and just tell them like you're a noodle, right? If that offends you, if you're hearing them say that, you can just say back to them, hey, look, no, you're a noodle, okay? Because you are a noodle that you and I, we're, we're all made out of the same stuff. We're all made of the same um, heart, soul, mind, spirit, body that God has given us. And yet there can be some distinct differences between us, that there's this immersion in the gospel of grace that happens when we really understand what Jesus has done for us. It's like we get dropped in the waters of grace and it has a profound change on us. In the places that we were rigid and argumentative and, and had to have everyone agree with us about everything. And in those very places, God has a way of, of changing us, of softening us, of making us people that, that don't want to isolate and pull apart and break apart all the time, but people that actually want to stick together as we are immersed in the waters of grace and the gospel of grace that we can hold together when the world is pulling apart. Lastly, if, if I were to take one of these noodles that has been cooked and I were to put it out on the, maybe beside the, the stove and come back in the morning, what I would find is a hard, rigid noodle that wants to break apart again. Here's what I mean is that some of us have been in the waters of grace. We've, we've been in the waters of the gospel, of the grace of God, and it's done a great work in us. And yet over time, we've stepped out of that flow and we've become rigid and, and easily um, argumentative and we're breaking apart and we're separating easily again. I just want to invite you this morning 
in the midst of an increasingly polarized world that wants to pull apart to step back into the waters of grace, to step into the river of God's mercy and goodness, the goodness of the gospel that makes that profound change on us, that makes us flexible again, that unites us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.